Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Greg O'Kyle from Horizons Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? I'm great. It's Friday. It is Friday. <laughs> Fabulous Friday. Fantastic Friday. There's all sorts of F words we could couple with this, but they're all good. The good F words, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes for sure. And you have a special guest. I have a guest. Uh, who do you have in here, there? Here in my office. Nice. Yeah. She traveled from afar to be here. Not with me. With her mother, but I happen to grab her while she's in town. So, yes, I have a guest. Her name is Ivka Collis from Prometheus Capital. Nice. So I want to welcome Ivka. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yeah, yeah. So I want to tell you a little bit about Ivka and our listeners. So Ivka is the Chief Investment Officer and Managing Partner and, and we'll say founder of Prometheus Capital. It is a woman-owned and global asset-managed boutique firm based in Boston. One of my favorite places, but I've only been there once, so I need to go spend some time there. I, what I love about Ipka is she really focuses a lot on women's issues and gender equality, and I love that it's a majority woman-owned business like mine. And she is very well accomplished in this industry. She has over two decades of experience in managing assets and an expertise in sustainable and gender lens investing, as I just mentioned. And, dun, 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 and in 2018, CityWire ranked her as the number three female portfolio manager in the United States. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. That amazing. Yeah, I know she's kind of blushing a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> I really think that's impressive, you know, and it, in addition to that, among the top 20 female managers in the world. And I have her here in my office, so I'm pretty honored to have Ivka here. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the questions you always ask me is how did we meet? Mm -hmm. We've we met probably eight years ago, I think. Sounds about right. Yeah. When Ivka was working with PAX, his name is PAX at the time, PAX World, now Impax, which we've had them on the podcast before. She was managing the PAX World Global Women's Equity Fund at the time. And that's when we met. But yeah. That, oh, here's something else. Just a little tidbit here. So you went to Tufts University. Yes. And the then, Fletcher School. Yeah, yes. My best friend's son got accepted to Tufts and we'll be there in, in the fall. Fantastic. Yes. Super exciting. Yes. Yeah. So welcome. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> People always, I, I, I guess they're, they probably always blush like that even when they're not here in the office. Cause I love to tell all of the hooray things about my guests, the things that they won't really tell about themselves. Cause you also went to Harvard. Have it. Have it. <laughs> <laughs> 
want to talk about this whole top female manager thing. Number three in the U.S. and in the top 20 in the world. That is impressive. I would bet if we ranked you also among the men, <laughs> you say that in air quotes, you're going to be really high up there as well. What you do is amazing. It's impressive. I've seen your work for a long time. I'd like to know how you got here. I want you to tell us your five-minute story. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So my story is not a five-minute story because I feel like my, my life has been guided by serendipity. I mean, I started out as a scientist, you know, at Havid. <laughs> I, I, I studied biology and biochemistry and spent a lot of time in, in labs and figured out by my fourth lab internship that I actually was not very good at that, but I still really loved the science. <laughs> I was just not precise enough and linear enough to, to be a scientist, but I love science. And through serendipitous events, I landed in this field and the science has really served me. And, and it was also timing because I think that investing, people will always say it's a combination of art and science. Absolutely. And I think it was a lot more art when I started because there was a lot less data, a lot less information. It was harder to get information. And therefore, if you were able to figure things out and, and be more creative about getting information, you could find investment opportunities before the mass market did. And are you talking about sustainable ESG investments or investments across the board? I think investments across the board. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that, that I brought with me from my science background was this idea that everything is connected, right? There's no such thing. Science is all about isolating things, but because you have so much going on that's interconnected, you have to, and all of these variables that are always moving, and being able to isolate variables and keep everything constant so you can test them, but acknowledging that there's feedback loops. And, and so you, you have to have this bigger picture view of the world, of, yeah. of how whatever it is that you're looking at and testing interacts with everything else. And, and I, feel like, I, I feel like our, our field has been very focused narrowly on what drives investments. Whereas if we think about sustainability, that's the big world. Right, and that's the scientific piece. Exactly, Right. exactly. I, I did not know this about you, and so I am really fascinated here by this scientific background and how not only did that drive you early on in a non-ESG way, but that's gonna be part of this big circle in the environmental component of what you're doing and the climate change issues that we are facing and how it's going to drive your investments as well. Absolutely. And I think the other piece is that if we if we think about what is ESG or SRI or you know all these acronyms really it's it's just conventions trying to capture what some people call non-financial metrics but really everything is financial at some point or another and it's trying to capture the externalities that are created through every corporate behavior right and i just had that yeah. conversation yesterday yes. <laughs> how how it's how all the issues that we look at from 
an impact view yes. are financial Absolutely. in some way. They may not be at this moment, but they yes. will be eventually. Exactly. Exactly. And I think our, our field, and if you read an investment textbook and even the way that the CFA used to be taught, it was all very cookbook and specific. And this is how you build a cash flow model and you just project, you know, profitability and you know, how a company manages its balance sheet and, and that's gonna get you the solution. But really that has that doesn't capture at all when a company is making something, how it sourced it and and how it treats its workers and how what it's doing with its waste products. Exactly. And, and and how it even makes decisions. Does it have a diverse enough team to be able to adapt to a changing world and to be innovative enough to you know, have new ideas when they're required, that's not at all captured in sort of the traditional art of, of managing money. Right. And I feel like that was, you know, for me, having that background and having that sense of a whole world really has benefited me because the investment world has come in my direction in terms yeah. of too much data, too much information. Now information is a commodity. It's no longer, I'm smart in the market. It's about processing information, looking for something that is not noise, but relevant, and also connecting the dots and thinking about what does this mean that the, you know this, this business activity, how does it impact the global supply chain right. <laughs> you know, function? And, and what right. does it mean for the future? And how right. are these products you know, impacting the environment and how there's so much exactly, there. There's, there's so, so much, much there. Unpack, yeah. Exactly. I and see you can, why. Yeah. <laughs> I see why you, this is not a five minute story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I see the data geek in you and I love it. Yes. Um, but let's, <laughs> I want to, I want to know just one more little piece about you before we move on, because I, the portfolio manager in you is fascinating, but what we also want to tell our listeners is why did you feel compelled to start your own firm? So we're going to talk about diversity, I'm sure. Yes. And that's, yeah, it's kind of where I want to go with and, this. And exactly. And, you know, there's been so much work done looking at diversity about the benefits of diversity. We, I, I've mentioned a couple of those, which is innovation and adaptation, but, but just in general, as, a, an investment factor driving performance. And that has been fed back into all other industries so that diversity and inclusion are becoming a threshold requirement for many companies in terms of going to the markets and discussing with investors. And they have a lot of pressure from, from maybe not a majority of investors, but a lot of investors to incorporate diversity into their organizations. And yet, what is the least diverse industry out there? I believe it's finance. It is. Yeah. It, it's absolutely finance. And if you look at asset management, you know, there was a night study that came out last year that looked at assets under management. And in the U.S., women and minorities manage 1.3% of assets. And I'm shaking my head. Yes. It's <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And, and you asked about the women on that list and, you know, would I have been on a, on a list with men on it? All of the women on that list were number one in their categories. So it had nothing to do with in a like, but, but you know how we, we look at when you manage money, you're, you're measured against a peer group and it's right. not broad. 
it's pretty narrow. I manage international and global assets. I was measured against my international and global peers. And in that, I was number one. And every woman on that list was number one. So it's not a broad. Right. But, but so therefore, there's no, there's no question that women are not good managers. It, but, but that's what the numbers would say. Right. The numbers, if this was an efficient market for talent, then women would manage at least half of the assets because like for like, when you look at women managers, then like for like, they tend to do better, a little bit better than their male peers. Mm-hmm. And some do a lot better. Than right. So, so like so, for like, there should be 50% women and we're, and we're at 10% women and 1.3% of assets. So clearly there's something wrong. Right. So this <laughs> is what compelled you. This is what compelled me. Yeah. Yes, okay. to, to, just because I couldn't do it from inside the system. I see. That's how it felt. Right. I get that. And I think that's why I wanted to stay with my own firm and not – I get asked to merge with other places all the time, and I don't want to do that. I want my own firm, so I feel that with you. Which brings me to my next question, too, because we, you know, you talked about the, the, the equity piece and the women's equality issues and – You've always been focused on gender lens investing, yes. In in a really in in congruence with your international component, and and we just talked about how few women are in this industry. So how do women like you and I bring more women into the industry? How do we support them? Yes. So this might go back to my origins, which are very non-traditional. And I feel like just generally, there it's good to have a broader perspective coming into this field than just having a finance background. And so part of it is because I think a lot of women have looked at our industry and said, I don't want any part of that. Because, you know, look who I'd be working with. Right. Sort of the stereotypical, very arrogant kind of macho there there's something right. it, about it, it feels so, you know fatherly maybe yes yes and so so i think casting the net wider which is what we've been doing at prometheus we have a very active internship program and we've brought through over 20 interns mostly women and people of color to basically give them their first experience a good first experience so that they see that this industry can be very rewarding and that it does reward intelligence and thinking about things in a much broader way it rewards innovation and that's what we want to capture so that's one way that's an excellent excellent way to do that so firms like yours and mine and especially i think other esg related firms need to have more internships i like that you and i need to bring that more to the market yes we're going to work on that yes I want to change the subject a little bit because recently you had an article that came out, which I loved. I jumped on this right away because the article is titled Greenwashing to Green Virtue, which I thought had a really great perspective uh, about it. It wasn't just the the usual article we see about, oh, this is just greenwashing and blah, 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 and, and, and all of the negative pieces around that issue, which there certainly are definitely some greenwashing that's happening in the industry. There always has been that problem. But you kind of turned this around and talked about how looking at this as an issue is a way to move the lever forward. So let's talk about that article sure. and, and why you wrote it. 
I, I just felt I'm, I'm always a little bit contrarian in, in sort of the common wisdom. And I do think that greenwashing, pinkwashing, rainbow washing can be accusations that I always feel are, are levied against someone to criticize what they're investing in as opposed to thinking about what they're trying to achieve. And there, there really is no virtue or evil in investing because there's no perfect companies, but there's no perfectly evil. Well, there's probably a few perfectly evil companies. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but, but really, the, at least when you think about impact and investing, it's about change. And any company can change. For example, sometimes the worst violators of pollution, sometimes they're the ones that get the, the biggest conversion in religion. And it's important to be able to pick up on that. But that's not all that this is about. It, it's all also about just finding ways of investing your capital to create the world that you want to see down the road 20 years. Right. And you can get a lot more impact by moving the needle than by investing in the perfect companies, which they don't exist, but if you right. could. Right, and, <laughs> and that's what I agreed with in yes. your article was, again, as you said, and I tell clients this all the time, there's no perfect company. There are a number of really bad companies, and so we wanna leave those alone. Yes. But there are a lot of companies that are in that in-between space. Yes. And how do we move them to the better space? Exactly. Not the perfect space, but the better space. And and that's by investing in them and working with them. And and that doesn't mean it's greenwashing. Right. Because there's no perfect company. There is none. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you get it. And I that, do. That's exactly what we think about. And this is why now we get the geeky side of me, which is that now we can get so much information about what a company is actually doing versus what they say they're doing. Right. And and we can test. But still, but still there'll always be accusations of greenwashing and especially I think when companies decide they're going to make a change, they publicize it and and everyone will say, "Oh, you put a Black Lives Matter banner on your website. Yeah, I don't buy it. Right. And, and it may be, but I think that what it does do is that when, when a company puts its um, stake in the sand and says, this is something that we're going to stand behind, then it's out there and investors can push them on it and their customers can push them on it. So it is a step and it may be greenwashing. Every first step will look like greenwashing. And it's the second and third and fourth step that actually confirm the the change and sort of get you away from that greenwashing right. and that's well, what it, I was trying to say is yeah, just saying it embrace us, it <laughs> right and it gives us an opportunity yes. to watch them yes and either help them or or say yeah you you that's are right. just greenwashing yes but we can't tell until they start to make those moves yes exactly you know? yeah. and one of the other things you talked about was data which has historically been difficult to get on what corporations are doing in terms of their sustainability process. And I've talked about that a lot, but we are starting to get more data, reliable data yes. than we used to get 20 years ago. And that we're seeing, as you mentioned as well, coming from Europe because exactly so much farther ahead of us. And I they are. talked about that a million times. And they're setting the standards, yes. which everyone, and rightly so, I'm sure for a corporation, it's really difficult if every investor calls them up and says, you know, fill out this this database for me. I want to know what, and everyone's 
information is different. And so at least there's a standard that's that's very quickly converge or everyone is converging around a set of standards that they've been discussing a long time and therefore it's not out of the blue and it will make everyone's lives both more easy in terms of getting the data but also more difficult because that means you have to look at it right <laughs> and it's already all compiled and compared and yes. and you're really going to be compared with your peers yes so yeah yes. i i am actually looking forward to that day yes well before we run out of time i want to circle back around to your firm prometheus capital and I want you to really tell us about what you're doing and what your core values are and just to share with us what you're doing and, and how you're doing. Well, you don't have to tell us how you're doing it. Yes. That's, yeah, I don't yes. that, but, but tell us more about Prometheus. So, so we have two founding missions. One is to take advantage of this, you know, the, the knowledge that the information is out there and that we can actually use clients' capital to drive change in a measurable way. So one of our tenants is that capital drives change, and we want to be able to do that for the, the folks that invest with us. The other is to be diverse by design. And that's a reason for starting a firm is, is basically we can build in diversity from the ground up. So those are our two fundamental sort of missions to achieve. And we do that with a very simple set of values that we think allow us to further that mission and also make us really much better investors. One is diversity, which I talked about, to be innovative, adaptive. We have to have diversity in who we are and how we think on our team. Humility and soar. Ah, that's <laughs> different. I don't think I've ever heard any manager say that. And, and when, you know, if anyone's worked in the markets for any period of time, they know that markets are very humbling. Mm, and and yeah. so humility, I think, is really important. Why? Because you have to be able to look at every day as a new day and to accept your mistakes and learn from them and always see every opportunity without any preconceived notions or arrogance. And so the humility is important and linked to that is objectivity and intellectual curiosity. Which you definitely have. Yes, yes. And all of these things are really to take away the biases that everyone has in, in the markets. It's really important to be able to see the opportunities in the markets with a very clear eye. And the only way to do that is to take your blinders off. And so to go in thinking about, you know, no, <laughs> with humility, with objectivity, with intellectual curiosity, and finally with respect, respect for other people's ideas, respect for the markets, respect for our clients, you know, to, to make sure that that is fundamental to who we are so that we can interact in a way that allows us to achieve that mission of allowing capital to drive change. Amazing. I think working at Prometheus must be a fabulous place for you and your coworkers. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine what it would be like. It's it's it is amazing. Yeah. And and I feel so fortunate that I found, you know, like-minded partners to work on this and we really hope to attract a lot more underappreciated talent to to our platform and to to really build this in and and you had asked about, you know, how do we do this and it's not only Prometheus. Like we I I've been 
during COVID and during these great tools that we have to use now, I've, I've created so many new contacts with very like-minded investors all around the world in the U.S. with the same mission and being very collaborative and helping each other out so that we can sort of achieve this mission of really making not only our industry more diverse, but also capturing that opportunity to make all of our investments much more sustainable. Great. That's great. I can't thank you enough for taking some time out from your family and joining me here in my office to be on this podcast. Thank you for being here today, Ivka. Oh, it's been such a pleasure, Kim. Thank you so much for having me in. Yeah. Eric, are you there geeking out? I, or? I am. Well, <laughs> these are the conversations I like to hear because I'll be honest, and I, and I don't I don't think I'm alone in this. Kim, you and I have talked, you know, spoken many times before where I'm, you know, as a, a man and a young man, especially in my early years, I was a moron. And I didn't, I didn't understand, right? You know, right. The thing is, is I didn't understand the plight that, that women go through in the workplace and so on and so forth. And I married very young, so I didn't even understand my wife's concerns or issues. It was when we had our daughter that I really started to understand, wait a second, there are certain things that just aren't right. There are certain things that just aren't fair. And so helping her to grow and, and learn and, and be independent and strong. And uh, I love the fact that you, you guys are out there, right? If the things that you're doing, the things that you're promoting, women need that more than ever. Right. And I, I've, I've been working in financial services for a very, very long time. And I saw it firsthand exactly what you're talking about. So thank you so much for being here because this was a great conversation. It's a conversation that people need to hear. And Kim, I'm, I'm so glad you facilitated it. I, I'm so lucky that Ivka was here in town. I'm so that lucky that you other. invited me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's, uh, I think Ivka and I could just sit here and chat for a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ivka, again, thank you so much for being here. I wish you all the best, all the success that you absolutely deserve. Kim, thank you for bringing her on the show. And of course, our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego kyle If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. is a registered investment advisor. Registered with the SEC, Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax and legal advisors regarding your personal circumstances. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.